Hello, this is Jeff Johnston. Welcome to the Living Undeterred podcast. I have a special friend and guest today, and I'm super excited about this show. Uh, when I designed this mindset, the Living Undeterred kind of um, ideology or, or thought process, um, I thought of all these different people I could have on, people that have handled addiction, alcoholism, substance abuse, some trauma they had in their life. And then I thought, you know, after a while, um, I'm going to kind of run into the potential of talking about something too frequently. Oh. So I started thinking, you know, I got to broaden my horizons a little bit. I got to start bringing in guests that encompass the living undeterred uh, mindset, um, but not from a addiction or recovery type angle. So I brought in uh, my brother last uh, couple of podcasts ago, and he's a ghost hunter. That's a, that's a whole different show. And I'm excited about getting that one out there. And then obviously you with fishing, Gary, and I'm going to have you introduce yourself here in a second. Um, and I have a lot of fishing in my background as well with my brother, Dan, and with my dad. And um, fishing has kind of become a, a uh, the glue that held together a lot of people in my life that have dealt with you know tough things. So I want to introduce you. You're Gary Spiker. You yep. are our guest today. And um, we have a unscripted conversation. Mm-hmm. We're just going to kind of, I'm not sure where this is going to go, but I've known you for a super long time. Uh, I remember a story my brother Dan said back when he managed Finn and Feather in town. Yeah. And he said, you know, Jeff, there's this guy that comes in in this nice car. Yeah. And he wears these nice suits. Yeah. And he always buys the nicest poles and lures. And I said, who is this guy? And he goes, I don't know, but he's in the insurance and investment business. And I said, I got to get in that business. <laughs> and I'm not kidding you. That was when I was 23 or 24 years old. And fast forward and... And now you're a part of our firm, and you're you're retired from a practicing advisor, but you are still a friend and a mentor. So with that, that's a long-winded intro. But let's talk a little bit about Gary, why you're here, well, and kind of what our uh, what our goals are for today. Yeah. Well, first of all, let me say thank you for those kind words and the opportunity to be here. Our uh, undeterred watchers should know that we are we are recording this in the office that I occupied that's right from 2009 until uh, 2017 these are hollowed grounds here yeah. that we walk by and we we uh, look at it saying man so much good karma came from this office yeah. that's why when you left we decided to retire it and turn it into a studio well I'm glad, <laughs> I'm glad you did because you know during the during the days we did tell a lot of fishing stories and you here, still do so, Gary yeah we still do yeah I, I I'm just uh, tickled to talk to you about being undeterred from uh, taking on interests. You know, we spent, and you've spent, we both spent our whole adult lives helping people prepare for retirement. Mm -hmm. And we've seen too many people get to that point, Jeff, where they don't have any hobbies or interests that they've developed along the way to occupy their time. So, I think we do a great job of helping people prepare financially, but I think we got a ways to go to help people prepare emotionally mm-hmm. for what that change is. And so today I can tell you that uh, I miss being with you and Molly and the gang, that I miss being around our clients, and I'll have those memories forever. Right. But uh, this transition would not have been as easy for me if I hadn't had this interest of fishing. Right. And so uh, I have been 
tournament fishing. It's so, more than an interest, by the way. Well, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I would call it an addiction, a compulsive yeah, they call behavior. It, yeah. It's an, <laughs> a good addiction. Yeah, yeah. And uh, it's interesting, uh, this last year with COVID, how many more people across the country have gone outside and taken on these outside sports and activities. Right. They tell me that the fishing license sales in most states where there are good fish to catch right. are up 40 or 50%. And our friends up at, uh, you know, a bit of up in Wisconsin that make these St. Croix rods, yeah. Shameless plug yeah, for my shameless brother's company. Yeah, shameless plug for Dan Johnston. <laughs> uh, they can't make them fast enough. So, and there's a shortage of uh, fishing equipment in the country. So, uh, 1995 was my first fishing tournament as a co-angler, and I have fished competitively since then. Mm -hmm. I have fished in 108 events, chronicled in my fishing resume. Who who carries around a fishing resume, Well, Only Gary Spiker. You you never know, (laughs) Jeff. You might need a new sponsor, so... Hey, I got a question before we get too far into the fishing. Um, Just to peel back a little bit and kind of explain our relationship and kind of how it's led to today. And I talked a little bit about how I first heard of you. Uh, And I came into the investment insurance career at a really young age, at 23. Um, Started working here. Actually, I started in Iowa City first, then I moved up to Cedar Rapids. Really didn't know of too many what I would consider successful advisors, and and the word advisor back in the day was kind of not used. Um, it was more of an agent or an agency or insurance mm-hmm. agent. That was really, I think, the label that we were given, and it's probably true because most of what we used with our our clients were insurance related products, mm-hmm. life insurance annuities, and so. But you are always had the perception of more than an insurance agent. I thought that was very, I was very interested in that. Uh, you had your company, Financial Planning Services, right? Correct. So you had the financial planning name out there kind of way before people started using it. Now, every insurance agent calls themselves a financial planner. So, um, but that attracted me to what you were doing. And then um, I know Jonas Everett had talked to you uh, way before you were thinking of retirement and kind of asked you, I think over lunch, you know, hey, Gary, what's your exit plan? You're like, hmm, I don't know. I don't really have an exit plan. And then a couple of years negotiating and you ended up joining my group and I was your your branch manager. And um, we did many seminars together, many mm-hmm. workshops together. You were a, a initial part of our radio show, which yes. is still on the air. Yes. I think I was told that's the longest running financial planning or uh, financial show in Cedar Rapids. Mm-hmm. And I think we're in our 11th year now. And that's yep. the um, Premier Investments of Iowa Financial Hour on Tuesday nights at 6 o'clock on WMT Radio. That sounds like a Shameless plug. plug. <laughs> I'm sure Doug, Doug <laughs> Wagner would be proud of that. Yeah, right? so that's been a great. And so, you know, uh, and you and I have been through a lot together. Um, mm-hmm. You were there when uh, our oldest son, Seth, died mm-hmm. of a heroin overdose. Mm-hmm. Um, you uh, provided... Um, a tremendous amount of support for me uh, and for my family. And uh, I, I'm very indebted for that and for you and Sue for being there for our family and uh, giving us the prayers and the, the comfort and the solace and the peace. And I wouldn't probably be where I'm at if it wasn't for people like you in my life. So uh, with that, um, I guess this living undeterred thing kind of evolved. Mm-hmm. And now I'm amazingly meeting some tremendous people that I never would have met had this not had happened. So I'm, one of my lessons I'm trying to teach people is that out of chaos, great things can happen. And 
we don't have to use negative events to define who we are, you know, in a destructive way. Right. And so fishing is just kind of one of these things like golf and I'm going to have a scuba diving show Mm -hmm. and my brother hunts ghosts. And it's like, we need to have, (laughs) we need to have Gary, the ability for us as, as humans to disconnect from reality. And that can be from the stresses of job. It could be a tough marriage you're in. It could be a, a flailing business. It could be the death of a child. Yes. Um, and, gol- and golf, for me, is, is one thing I talk about in my book. But for you, it's fishing. So going back to when you first got into fishing, mm-hmm. other than just, you know, a young boy being interested watching the bobber disappear, yeah. was there anything that just got you into fishing that... Uh, you know, you, you want to talk about, or is it just the, the curiosity oh, that you had with the outdoors? Yeah, my recollection is going way back uh, when our children were in school, and uh, I remember that Amy went to uh, a bass fishing clinic over in Tama County, and I grew up on a farm, Jeff, and mm-hmm. when we weren't working, we were working. So, so <laughs> I didn't have any, I didn't have any outside uh, interests really. Yeah. And so I, I credit Amy for getting me started to have that awareness. How and, old were you about when that's to happen? Uh, that start? would have been uh, late thirties. Oh, really? Yeah. I just envisioned you were fishing since you could no, walk. No, no, I'm a, I'm huh. a, I'm a late comer. I'm a late comer. I did so, not know that. Yeah. And so I was in my mid forties. So there's was, hope for all of us. Yeah, there is. <laughs> yeah, there is. So, uh, <laughs> The tournaments uh, gave me that break uh, from this office and uh, the work here to pursue a, a great hobby. Right. Uh, probably the number one thing that I gained from the tournaments was not the knowledge of how to catch fish, but people knowledge. Yeah. And I was able to connect over all these years with lots of great anglers and uh, the stories and uh, the life challenges that many of them went through. Uh, following some of them right to their gravesite. Uh, Recently, you've had a few uh, fishing friends yes. uh, that have passed. Do you, yeah. you want to mention any? Yeah, I've got a, a picture of uh, Tommy Scarless right behind you. Uh, I've heard his name many yeah, times. Yeah, Tommy's a native of Waterloo. I remember calling on him when he was working with his dad's company, and I walked into his little office, Jeff, and he had fishing magazines stacked this high. Right. And he said, Spike, someday I'm going to make a living catching walleye. And he did. He, he, one of the best I heard. He, he's one yeah. of, uh, he, yeah, he's yeah. been uh, credited as being one of the best walleye fishermen. And I, I will tell you, I drew him in a number of tournaments. He was my pro and I was my, his co-angler. And I've gone on some long rides on some big water with him that <laughs> yeah. he's reminded me of. But uh, I'm just I'm just glad that I had that opportunity to not only fish with him, but we're right in the height of sports show season now. Yeah. I participated in a lot of the sports shows where Tommy worked and uh, sat in on a lot of his workshops. So for those people that uh, want to... Uh, Google Tommy and, mm-hmm. and pick up information from him. Uh, he is definitely one of the legacy people in our industry. And I, I was, I'll finish by saying two years ago, he was inducted into the Freshwater Fishing Hall of that. Fame. Uh, after following out a, uh, falling out of a tree stand mm-hmm. uh, about four years ago and nearly dying, uh, 
uh, and then getting back on the tournament trail uh, a year later, uh, 2019, he was diagnosed with cancer of his brain, yeah. and uh, he lasted until uh, this past fall. So, uh, yeah, it's people. Uh, it it really is. It really is people, and I could probably spend the rest of the day telling you stories about fishing with him on the boat. But we don't have to do that. We still got 50 minutes. So yeah. We, we got. <laughs> hey, I I, I did want to um, mention kind of an observation that I. Uh, have seen just in my life experiences that quite often people from the outside look at an industry like fishing or say golf where Mm -hmm. where i really found a lot of comfort after seth died and they don't understand the family and the culture and the the um uh, you know the togetherness the bonding Mm -hmm. that, that you have in those things um and it's it can save you, uh, and I think being mm-hmm. part of a club or an organization that um, that you have uh, been involved in prior to a traumatic event happening. Mm-hmm. I, I know when again when when our son passed, uh, and I've been to some other personal events in my life. I've always had friends to to go to, but we have to. I mean, we can't do this by ourselves. We right. have to have an outlet. So fishing can be a release, but you still have to have conversation. You still you can't go fish by yourself every day. That's no. it's like golfing by yourself every day. It's just you know it's not enjoyable. And, right. and I think the human relationships we build, the interactions, is what what's key. So I've always been amazed after I got into knowing you as a friend, and also with my brother Dan, following his unbelievable career at St. Croix. Mm-hmm. The just family that you guys develop, and mm-hmm. I think it's um it's awesome. And I think anyone out there that's dealing with you know even things like addiction substance abuse mental health issues depression anxiety find an outlet find something to do and so fishing just has been your thing and i I think you are a tremendous ambassador for fishing well thank you um i follow you on facebook i follow your walleye wisdom story and the passion just exudes from you and um, I, I have to say, I think a lot of people probably have got into fishing uh, because of what you do and what my brother Dan does at St. Croix. And um, and uh, I just think it's interesting and I think it's well needed in a time with COVID and all these stresses that yeah. we have for people to get out of their house and do something. Well, one of, the, one of the goals that we had a number of years ago was to create a walleye fishing club mm-hmm. for Cedar Rapids and Iowa City. And what's it called? The Walleye it's, Fishing Club of no, Cedar Rapids and Iowa City? It's called Crandic. Oh, yeah. <laughs> C-R-A-N-D-I-C. The same as the uh, Insurance Association here in Cedar Rapids? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> or the uh, train that runs between the two cities, uh, yeah. Crandic Railroad. Uh, good friend Dave Nichols uh, uh, put it together, hmm. uh, got help from the lawyers and the law firm where he's worked for many years and did all the paperwork to form it. And, and it's lot- just for walleyes? Well, anyone that's interested in fishing, but so uh, any type of fish, right. so bass fishermen could be right. a member of it. Yeah, okay. exactly. And and we set up a tournament schedule, and we hmm. had five tournaments scheduled. Do you have for, a website, and we uh, have a Facebook page. Facebook page, okay. So Grand people could reach out on that. Yes, app. okay. Yes, and unfortunately, COVID uh, COVID only allowed us to have one tournament last year, and only allowed us to have one meeting as a as a membership. And so we've been so looking forward to 2021, and we had our first membership meeting in January, and we were going to have our second here in February, but this polar vortex yeah. uh, put us off till March. It's not one thing, it's something. Yeah, so I just 
I just wanted to let the people that are watching this know that are in our area uh, that we do have a, a fishing club and there are fishing clubs everywhere. Right. Yeah. So, so if you want to have that association with people that love to fish but also love the interaction, uh, most clubs have uh, programs during the year. Mm -hmm. They'll have tournaments, and many times they'll have some kind of a project that they're supporting, uh, that they're raising money for. And many, many times, Jeff, those are oriented toward uh, youth and young adults. Uh, uh, we've helped support the... Uh, uh, that that catfish tournament we have mm -hmm. here for the boys and girls club right. every year, right? And and and, and so, so so Crandick is going to be much involved in that. So I guess for me, I, I I'm moving more from that uh, tournament fishing, even though I'm going to keep that up. I'm right. moving more from that to helping the club recruit new members and be part of the education that we're providing there. So uh, I, my brother Dan helped spearhead a fly fishing fundraiser we did. Yeah. Uh, and we didn't do it last year because of COVID. And so that was the same year we did our first charity golf tournament. Right. We have a scholarship set up uh, through the Greater Cedar Rapids Community Foundation, which you helped me kind of jump on that. And then we also have a um, uh, some other things we're doing with my nonprofit. I have a nonprofit I started called the Choices Network, mm -hmm. which we're raising awareness and funds to help adolescents make better choices on things like you know vaping and drinking and uh, ways parents can communicate better with their children with that too. Something that popped into my head, and you know me yeah. for a long time, I have what I consider high-level ADD. If you ask people that I work with, it's it's the highest level ADD, so I tend to <laughs> jump around. Um, Molly here is off screen laughing at me right yeah. now. But um, So Pheasants Forever is an organization that is used for people who hunt to, right. to raise awareness and to help the, um, you know, the, the pheasants and things like that. Yeah. Is there the equivalent of that for fishing? Uh, yes. Uh, we have what's called the National Professional Anglers Association, okay. the, the NPAA. Uh, that is a national organization that when uh, I joined, probably 20 years ago, we had uh, less than 50 members. Hmm. In and a national organization? Yes. Wow. Yes. And originally it was started to promote walleye fishing, but we have a new director by the name of uh, Pat Nye. And over the recent years, Pat has helped expand the organization's reach so that we're reaching out to people that catfish, people that uh, mm. bass fish, people that crappie fish, people that fish for those southern fish, the redfish, and those fish down in the ocean. Mm -hmm. And I, I, I'm very proud to have served uh, with the NPAA on the board and helped uh, provide some direction. But our organization, Jeff, has grown to over 1,500 members now. That's awesome. And it's, it's awesome to see that because it's another way for someone to be part of something bigger than they are right. to to access meaningful discounts right. on fishing products. Our friends at St. Croix, by the way, say if you want to buy three St. Croix rods this year as an MPAA member, you receive a 30% discount. Awesome. Yeah, and you know how much these are, so that's good, man. Yeah, I just, uh, when my brother's fishing, I just pop open his trunk and take what I want, and he doesn't even notice. No, so I'm sure he does I get I get the, the brother yeah, discount. I, I, so. You should, you should. <laughs> but but the NPAA and, and 
and you can sign up online at npaa.net. Uh, Good to know. Yeah, the the dues are only a hundred bucks a year, and I figure that uh, the the equipment that I purchase mm-hmm. through the NPAA sponsors, uh, I save enough on uh, off retail to pay my dues. the The best part of the NPAA is the youth side and the young adult education. Mm-hmm. Uh, we started a a 501c3, like your nonprofit, right. a few years ago, and uh, to allow members and others to donate money to provide product at tournaments so that when you go to one of the major tournaments and, and, and you take uh, children or youth with a parent or an adult or a grandpa and grandma, uh, we put on seminars for the kids. Hmm, awesome. And all of that product, Jeff, the rods and reels, the tackle boxes, the T-shirt with our names on it, all of that is provided uh, through that nonprofit organization. It's called uh, the Future Anglers Foundation. So hmm. I've been very uh, pleased with how we've been able to grow that and, and, and grow the scope of that organization. For people watching this that are really new to this tournament fishing yeah. world, um, I, I, I've caught the bass stuff on TV a sure. lot. The, the, what's it called? The Bass Masters or whatever they call that, the big national tournament. Yeah. And um, I think for people that don't understand, uh, the first thing is, man, what do you do with all these fish? Do you guys donate them to, you know, people at homeless shelters and to eat the fish? And it's like, no, the, the, you're not killing the fish. So at least... In the bass world, they don't. I'm not too familiar with the walleye world, but when you guys catch the walleyes, it's catch and release, right, most of the time? Well, the tournament venues have been, uh, other than places like Lake Erie. Right, which w- is, Which is know, catch and kill. Yeah, because it, it's an aquarium there. Yeah, it's an <laughs> aquarium. There's a, what do they say, 112 million walleyes in Lake Erie now, which oh, is crazy. unbelievable. Yep. But uh, for years, you would bring your fish to the scale you keep them in your live well with water recirculating. Yep. You put them in a bag with water. You take them up, and then you would have volunteers take those fish and take them back out on the water where you were fishing and let them go. Okay. But you still have a mortality. Oh, yeah. You still have yep. some. Yep. So the, the, the one tournament series that's called AIM, A-I-M, uh, they are strictly catch, record, and release. Right. And so you catch that walleye, you lay it on a certified scale that yeah. everyone uses, you take a picture of it with a uh, camera chip that's been provided to you by the tournament, right? and you get a photo of that fish on the board, you record it, and then you get a photo of that fish being a hero shot with your partner huh. before he or she tosses it over the boat. But aren't walleyes uh, a little bit less tough than say a bass i mean don't i remember when i when i fish walleyes and my dad fills up the live well there's always a few dead ones in there floating around i have to think in that process you probably have a pretty high mortality or not well not not at all hmm. and uh the key is releasing them as quickly as you right. can and so i think this is just my observation that most of the tournaments going forward are going to move away from the the catch and bring them in and weigh them to actually catching recording their length using a standard weight chart. Yeah. So based on the weight of the length of that fish it would weigh yep. X. And and that's and that's really good for the resource. And so what that allows you to do as a tournament director is to go into bodies of water, particularly in summer months, mm-hmm. where you normally would have a high mortality if you brought those fish oh, out. Yeah. 
to be able to catch them. Because the warmer water affects them differently oh, than yes. colder water. Yeah. And, and the, the biggest thing is the depth that you're bringing these fish up from. True. Yep. So if you're bringing them up from the river, yep. that's one thing. If you're bringing them up from 60 feet in yeah, Lake Erie. Yeah, as a scuba area, diver, I know exactly what you're talking about. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You got to be careful when you ascend, you know, um, do your safety stop and all that. So if you're bringing a fish up yes. quickly, they don't have the ability to do that. That's correct. They die. Yeah, they die. Yeah. So um, I guess, you know, do you, do you have any interesting fish stories or any, like, what's your, what's your favorite? Uh, I have my favorite fish story. I have a number of them. One was the marlin I caught in Cabo San Lucas, which I ended up stuffing. And, and as I paid a lot of money for it to have them mounted, I found out it was just spray painted cardboard. So my marlin is not my marlin. It's just, you know, on my wall, it looks like a marlin, but it's not. Got it. I also have some funny stories when I was a child and, or a youth, and I caught a, um, I had a big catfish on one time, and I was reeling it in and uh, in our farm pond. And it was the biggest catfish I ever had in my life. And I remember, I remember saying to myself that <laughs> you're gonna laugh i remember saying if i was speaking to god now i'm saying you know if, if i catch this fish i'll become a priest <laughs> and i caught the fish i was probably 12 years old i didn't even know what god or priest was i just wanted to, i do want i want to do whatever i could to get the fish you know what's the highest probability of success well I'll negotiate a deal with, with God. <laughs> so my next-door neighbor, Don Oaks, was very into, you know, to, he was a very uh, spiritual, religious gentleman, and he uh, kind of held me to, to that as I grew older. And, uh, so anyway, that was an interesting story. So apparently I still owe, I owe that uh, priesthood for yeah. somebody down the road. So yeah. um, Well, I think for me, uh, my change uh, on the tournament side came in uh, 2011, and you were certainly aware of this, uh, that was the year that was my rookie pro year on the FLW walleye tour. And so Is that I, the one with the big huge check that you have pictures of? Well, or is that a different one? That was uh that was that checks up there. It was uh two years previously in oh nine. I finally, after all those years, won a tournament as a co angler. I so, remember. I remember. So so Sue says, uh, Sue will take the dollar value of that check, Jeff, and she'll divide it through by all those tournaments I fished. <laughs> And the entry fees and the motel. You're still a little behind, I'm guessing. Yeah, I think so. <laughs> but I, I, I decided, hey, uh, I'm 63 years old. I think maybe I should go for this. Yeah. And so I uh, bought the Ranger 620 with the Evan Rude motor. And by the way, Evan Rudes are no longer made. Oh, they aren't. I didn't even know that. Yeah. Last year, uh, Bob Bodier did away with Evan Rude motors. I didn't know that. Wow. And it's a sad story, but... So did they become another brand, or are they just no, gone? they're gone. Wow. Yeah. Aren't they a staple forever in that? Forever. Yeah. One of the oldest running uh, right. oldest running uh, engine manuf outboard motor manufacturers in the world. So wow. uh, they blamed it on a number of things, but I think COVID was part of it. Uh, so I still proudly wear the shirt because I still have the Evinrude motor, and they're going to offer uh, protection for us with parts mm. for a number of years. But anyway... Did the pro thing, and I, I did the pro thing from 2011 through 2019, so that would be eight years. And over those eight years, I probably had never worked as hard as I ever had in fishing, uh, preparing for the tournament, researching information, uh, getting the boat ready, uh, having all the equipment, the rods, reels, the baits, and then trying to create an environment where someone I maybe had never m met before is going to hop in the boat and going to be my co-angler. Hmm. 
And so one of the joys that I had during the, those tournaments, Jeff, was I would do at the end of each tournament a video interview talking to the co-angler about their experience and how we were fishing, what we were doing. And I, I'm pleased to tell you that over all those years, those nine years, I only had one co-angler say, Gary, I'd prefer not to do that. Hmm. So I learned over those nine years that uh, I wasn't that good at it. I, but you kept trying. <laughs> I kept trying. So uh, I, I kept living undeterred, yeah. <laughs> working toward a paycheck. There's always a, a way we can, we can sprinkle in the living <laughs> yeah. undeterred mindset. Yeah. So, Gary, I am interested in something that I thought was kind of interesting with my brother Dan. Is yeah. My brother, and obviously I'm biased, is the greatest fisherman, bass fisherman, I've ever seen in my life. And I would say probably fisherman. Now, I've only fished with you I, less than a few times, so I can't compare but my brother Dan is like one of those savants where we'd be out fishing at Lake McBride, let's say, and he would be, I'd be right behind him, you know, this is back, you know, years ago, and he would be catching fish. And he, we'd come up to this big tree area where there'd be, you know, a tree fell down the water and would be a nice habitat area for a large bass. My brother would feel sorry for me. He'd say, well, come up front, Jeff, here's my pole and go ahead and catch the fish. And you're laughing already. Yeah. So I'm throwing these yeah. jig and pigs and all this other yeah. thing in there. And I'm just getting frustrated and embarrassed. And I'm, you know, Dan's one year younger than me. So we're very competitive. And I'm like, I, I can't, ca and Dan, Dan would say, Jeff, step back. I'd hand him the pole. And with first freaking cast, he would pull out a four or five pound bass every single time. And almost the point where was, I, I think he was, he was, you know, subconsciously mocking me, like trying to humiliate me. But I grew up fishing with Dan like that. Walleye's the same way. We could be up in Minnesota and Canada fishing, and Dan's walking around the boat all high. You know, I think I'm intense. My brother's as or more, especially fishing. He just never has an off button. So where I'm going with this is this. I asked him one time, why don't you do this professionally? Uh-huh. I mean, literally, just make, make go, go make a, yeah, exactly. And I think he maybe dabbled in it or, or something. I'm not sure if he ever did. I think his answer was pretty much, you know, Jeff, at that point, it would take the fun out of it for me. Oh. And boy, I thought about that. Not that I have any professional skills. I mean, I can't be a pro golfer because I suck. But but for Dan to say that, I thought that's that's an interesting observation because there's a lot of people in life that are highly talented. My brother Steve's, a, again, a very gifted musician. And, you know, he's taken it to the highest level he wants to go. And that's playing for this Elton John tribute band, which is phenomenal. But, you know, at some point there becomes a respect for the career you're in that, hey, I don't want to go any further. I, I'm, I'm happy where I'm at. Did you ever question your decision to jump in tournament fishing and, and did it ever take the fun out of it for you? Well, yes and no. I, I didn't question the decision mm -hmm. because I wanted to prove to myself that I could do it and that I could compete at that level. And I think I was satisfied, yes, yes, I did that. And yes, I survived it. And yes, it's a grind. It, it I mean, is, God, uh, you guys would go out and pre-fish for three or four days. Oh, and yeah. I'm like, mostly, yeah, mostly. That's pre-fish. Yeah, mostly uh, <laughs> a week to 10 days for some people. I just, so. th that, that's, my son plays competitive college golf and they play yeah. one practice round. Yep. They don't go in a week before and play seven practice rounds. I right. mean, that's a massive commitment you guys make. Yeah, it's uh, it's it's sometimes Jeff, it's almost overwhelming. Yeah, when you think about uh, all of the decisions that you have to make, not only 
before the tournament, but during the tournament. Right. And, and most of the successful walleye anglers are going to tell you that it was the decisions they made during the tournament day. The adjustments. That, the adjustments. Yeah, because you don't think about that, but a college basketball coach or a football coach at halftime is always making adjustments. Yes. Fishing, you got to do the same thing, right? Yes, you got to do Weather it. changes, exactly. temperature drops. Oh, yeah. yeah. And and if you're going to enter tournament fishing to make money, I'm going to say no. It's it, it's 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 like the Marines. Many are called, but few are chosen. Hmm. So you've got so few at the top of the walleye game. I think uh, if you look at tournament fishing, you mentioned earlier the bass tournaments, yeah, and the crappie tournaments and the redfish tournaments. Actually, the bass tournaments have so much more uh, incentive financially hmm. for people to fish compared to the walleye. Uh, I know that uh, this year, uh, 2021, will be the second year of a new tournament schedule called Head to Head, hmm. where you have a, a walleye person in, in the boat fishing with a uh, photographer, uh, camera person in the back, and you're live streaming. Oh, really? You're live streaming Interesting. on Facebook, and you're competing with other anglers who have the same setup. Like a split screen type yeah. thing? Yeah. Oh, cool. Yeah. That's and, cool. And last year, they, they, they ran the tournament for the first time, and it was so successful, they're coming like back. A, like the video games you see where yes. you, can, you can fish video game fishing. Yes. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Head-to-head yeah. head and uh, big entry fee, and it's by invitation only. Again, I just always, I was always, uh, I guess, gain respect for those that are highly talented in life and decide to just stay in the enjoyment zone, you know, yeah. not not take this too seriously. Um, but again, there are people that like you that take the plunge and, um, you know, again, you have a, a lengthy resume there of all your well, tournaments. Well, I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm happy to go back and fish on the co-angler side. And yeah. so I have the last couple of years. I, I uh, had, a, had a little... Uh, well, roadblock uh, to the tournament fishing last year, and and uh, you're aware that uh, back in 2010 I was diagnosed with cancer. Yeah, I wanted to talk about that because yeah. I think I think you embody that living undeterred mindset. Because when you first told us about the cancer, um, yeah. you know, a million things go through our minds, like what type of cancer, how severe. And you've educated us. Uh, I think it's CLL. That's yes. the name. Yes. So, and that that means what type. If you don't mind, what type of cancer is this, and well, how's, it, how's it going for you right it's, now? Uh, thank you for asking. It's uh, chronic lymphocytic leukemia, mm-hmm. and it's not uncommon in males over age 60, some females, but not as many. And it's where your bone marrow produces cancer cells right along with your good ones. Hmm. And my family doctor uh, diagnosed it, had me uh, go to oncologist here in Cedar Rapids, got the word. And I remember that morning, Jeff, when Sue and I came out after seeing the cancer doctor and we just hugged each other yeah. in the car and we cried because right. she didn't paint a very optimistic picture. And so uh, to, the to us, the okay. nur- or the uh, doctor. Okay. Okay. So we ended up going to the Mayo Clinic. Yeah, I remember that. For a second opinion. I remember that. And met with an older physician there who... Uh, listened to our story, and uh, we chatted about it, and they took a bunch of blood up there at the Mayo Clinic. And when he called me, he said, Gary, yeah, you've got CLL, but you can live a long time with it. Yeah. Take care of yourself. And so so I've been blessed that I've been able to do that 
up until the ratio hit our community last year. Yeah. And I ended up uh, in the hospital for five days with something called cellulitis of my left arm, which was caused initially by uh, getting poison ivy. Hmm. And then uh, bacteria of some kind got in my arm and it was terrible. It took my immune system, wow. which is kind of key for CLL, yeah. and it did this to it. And so since that uh, hospitalization, my current oncologist has had me on a monthly infusion of something called immunoglobulins to help rebuild my immune system, Mm -hmm. and his concern is not only for the CLL, Jeff, but it's also uh, with COVID. Yeah. And hopefully coming up here in the next couple weeks, we get our first COVID shot, and that's going to help. Maybe you're talking about that. So, so yeah, uh, I I guess what I've learned in the tournament fishing game is that uh, you see the smiles and you see the glad handshakes and you see all the happiness on television. But you know what, behind the scenes, there are a lot of people that have had to deal with personal, not only the emotional, but also the mental, the physical issues, and they've they've persevered. And Tommy Scarless is one of those people that to me persevered in the sport and continued to be successful in spite of uh, the challenges that he had. Some of the things that have helped me deal with uh you know, our, our situation, uh, and it's, it's more than just Seth dying of heroin overdose at 23. There's other things in our family that have came before that and came after that, 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 uh, kind of makes our story, you know, unique to us. Mm-hmm. But, um, that resiliency factor, all these things are, are extremely important. Um, and we kind of go, I guess maybe we could segue a little bit into that, the concept that everyone has, as I say, everyone has shit going on. We yeah. all have we yeah. all have uh, issues going on. No matter how successful you're presented to the public, or maybe in reality you're, you're a successful quote you know person, whether it's financially or looks or career wise, um, that there's always something behind the curtain there. And I think as I at 54 years old, as I navigated through this trauma that we went through, well, believe it or not, this October will be five years since they found Seth in a hotel room. Yep, uh, October 4, 2016 which is just mind-boggling to me that it's been that long, but it also just feels like five days to me. I know. And, you know, I, I, I try to equate it for those people that haven't dealt with the loss of a child. Uh, the only possible thing I think of is maybe a loss of a spouse, mm-hmm. um, not even a parent or grandparent, because you kind of expect them to go first. Mm-hmm. You know, you don't expect your spouse to die first, and you certainly don't expect your children to die first. Mm-hmm. But it does. That's that's the game of life that we're in, and we're not always given the opportunity to die in the correct order. Um, there's never a good day to go. It's always difficult. And I think what I wanted to do is spend maybe a little bit towards the last part of the show here, mm-hmm. maybe sharing some of our own personal issues that you and I have dealt with. Uh, mm-hmm. People that follow my story know that I was a compulsive gambler in my 20s and 30s. I was an alcoholic for a long time uh, and finally have a very good relationship there. Um, I just choose not to drink. I don't even like to call myself an alcoholic because I think I think labels suck personally. I just make decisions each day not to drink. And it's as simple as that for me. So 
I think what I wanted to talk to you about is you know, you've had your cancer, uh, not mm-hmm. a scare because it's real, mm-hmm. and in your family, and my family as well, and I would assume every single family watching this, there is somebody that's touched by addiction. It could be alcoholism. It could be drug abuse. It could be opioid abuse. Um, the prescription uh, painkiller problem in our country is just, yeah, it's, it's, it's indescribable. I can't, right. I can't, and, and everybody is going to be touched by this, whether it's an immediate family member or a neighbor or coworker. If not already, you will be. Right. And um, unfortunately, COVID isn't making it better. Social media is not making it better. Right. Um, all these societal problems we have are just being magnified now when we have to sit at home and look at each other and go on social media and see all the toxic toxicity out there, mm-hmm. the negative political spin, the just the hate and the vile conversations people have are just disgusting to me. And mm-hmm. cracking open that beer seems to be a nice escape for people. And, yes. and you and I are trying to say, how about you crack open that new fishing pole? Yeah. Crack open those lures. Yeah. You know, get that dozen minnows. Take your take your son or daughter out fishing, you know? Yeah. Get out of the get out of the, the kitchen, you know? And um that's kind of what this show's about today. You know? Yeah. So Without naming names and all that, but do you do you mind covering a little bit about some of the addiction issues that you've had, either well, either ahead of you or behind you in your in your family tree? I know every family goes far enough; they're going to find someone touched by this stuff. Yeah, uh, my father Jeff uh, was an alcoholic. Mm-hmm. Uh, my home life uh, uh, was not the best growing up in that environment. Uh, I will tell you that. Uh, even though my dad died in 2017, you know, I still love him. Oh, yeah, so, absolutely. Yeah, and uh, uh, my mom died in 1988 from uh, uh, cancer of the breast and then ultimately into her lymph nodes. So, yeah, uh, I've had to deal with uh, sibling issues. Yeah. Uh, where one of my siblings, my sister, uh to this day blames me for leaving home and going off to college mm-hmm. because she feels like I left she and my brothers without anybody to act as a buffer between yeah. dad and them. So yeah, I've been there, done that with them. And then personally, uh, we have four children, Chris, Amy, Matt, and Sarah. Uh, the oldest Chris turns 50 this year. Mm-hmm. The youngest Sarah turns 40 this year. It's just hard to believe where the time has gone. <laughs> But uh, our daughter Amy moved to Chicago, worked, uh, met a guy, got married, and we had a period of time there of over two years where she never talked to us. Mm. And it, it, all, all we could do, and I wanted to insert this component, but yeah. the faith component yeah, was absolutely. pray. Absolutely. Was pray. Yep. And, and she ultimately went through a divorce. Yeah. She came home. Uh, it wasn't until this after the move home that we discovered that she had been suffering with spousal abuse. Yeah, and talk about ooh, you know, hurting yeah. this. So I am so happy for her in her in her new marriage to John, and I'm happy where she is in her life. Awesome. And so, for me, maybe that that bad memory, Jeff, yeah. it's there, but it's it it's gone. You know, by by the fact you just talking about this to me is breaking down the stigma because I think the problem is families keep these secrets and they don't talk about them. And I've had people come to me saying, well, does it bother you that you talk about your alcoholism or does it bother you that, you know, your son died of heroin? Why don't you say he died? And I'm like, no, that, that would dishonor him. And he would then, then be 
you know, and I, I don't know how you can't say these things correctly to appease everybody, but I want him to to die with dignity and, and gracefully, and um, and by doing continuing his story and using the word heroin. I can honor Seth that way for the next person that thinks about putting heroin in his arm. They may think about my son. And that's what Seth would want me to do. He, I don't think he'd want me to sit here and not talk about him. So mm-hmm. I admire uh, Amy and um, you know anybody that has gone through these things to be able to talk about him. I had a guest on uh, Nancy Barrows that's coming up, uh, will be featured as a podcast guest. And she talks about um, coming out, uh, and this is so amazing, the people I'm meeting, Gary. She was sexually abused by her grandfather for oh 10 my. years. For 10 years. Oh, my. And now when you speak with her, she smiles, she laughs, she she's, um, exudes just a tremendous amount of love. And, um, you know, I get emotional because it's like, it's like she could easily just go kill herself mm. and, and use that event to define her in a negative way. But she's refused to participate in that. And I just, I'm admired by people like this. And so... I hear stories you talk about Amy and you know I and, and just the fact that I know she's comfortable with you talking about that. I met another lady, uh, an individual. I hate, to, I hate that word, lady. It sounds so <laughs> sounds so old school and sexist, but another human being. Yeah. Um, yeah. And uh, her name is Beth Ann Schaefer, and she was another guest on my show, and she founded Note Beverages, and her story involves her husband Bart and his alcoholism, and now it's his ex, her ex husband, and he actually came on and talked to me when I first met her, talking about how, and, and they're divorced and they have a great relationship and they're trying to be good parents. And there are rock stars out there. There are superheroes out there that have handled sexual abuse, you know, alcoholism, all these things that people find ways to victimize. And, and that's, that's something I'm trying to stop is this, this ridiculous victimization that we have as a culture, mm-hmm. um, the cancel culture thing where you can't talk about topics because people want to shut you down. Mm-hmm. And that was our, you know, our country's built on freedom of speech and freedom of, of ideas and freedom of thought. And how in the heck are we going to stop the, the, the uh, velocity of these issues by not talking about them? I've just, I don't think that is a a good way to deal with problems. So sure, do I do I enjoy talking about my drinking problems and my gambling problems and you know my my collapse of a 21-year marriage and um, the death of a child? I mean, are these things that I look forward to talking every day? Um no, I I don't, but it keeps me going. It gives me some reason to get out of bed and not just go punch a clock and collect a paycheck and 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 age you know i just i I don't have any desire to do that so um you know going back to you being vulnerable and just talking about this gary there's going to be people watching this going yeah maybe we need to have a talk with our son maybe we need to go talk to a marriage counselor maybe we need to go talk to a pastor maybe we need to go talk to um gary or jeff and and that's really I've kind of thrown my hat in the ring for the rest of my life. This this is what I'm going to be doing. This is, and, and you and I, ADD is kicking in again. <laughs> we have a difference in in, in belief structure, mm-hmm. um, and it works. Your belief structure works for you. My my lack of a belief, I guess, in those areas works for me. And we're both doing very good things. And I think part of my 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 mission or my story is to tell people, hey, it doesn't really matter what you believe, Gary. It matters how you behave. Right. Mm-hmm. I know very good people that uh, don't really have a whole lot of uh, a structure in regards to faith. And I know very bad people that don't. I also know very bad people that are very 
strong in their faith and and you know it can go both ways and i think whatever you finally gravitate to to get you to live an inspired life right now then i'm all i'm all in i'm all for it and so i you are to date my biggest contribution to my nonprofit oh wonderful you are. and it brings it literally makes me want to cry because it came out of an hour long breakfast you and i had when i was putting my book project together and most of my contributions have been for me. You know, I'm, I have no shame in admitting that the majority of the money is coming into my nonprofit is coming from, from Jeff Johnston. Um, and you were just absolutely touched by the story and you wrote a check. And to this day, that is still the largest single contribution I've had to the Choices Network. So thank I, you. I appreciate that as a friend. And yeah. um, that that money you gave is now going back into the community and hopefully we can get in front of high schools and organizations to talk about addiction substance abuse talk about the bad things but then talk about fishing and golfing and ghost hunting ghost <laughs> and, hunting and just things that you can do to preoccupy your misery so you're not sitting there thinking about all the bad things that are happening to you in yeah. your life you know well it was uh it was that just was a long dialogue I no just had, no by the way. no but it brings uh brings up uh it was just a year ago that uh, I called you from our winter retreat in Florida, and I said, Jeff, uh, uh, our son Matt, uh, I, I, I think he's reached the bottom. Yeah, I remember. Remember that? And uh, we talked about it and what you, uh, what you had been doing in your work and uh, your example uh, challenged us, but we were able to find a, a very— uh, high-quality uh, facility here in Iowa, and Matt was in agreement. Yeah, and, and that's the first key. And that is. Yeah, and I, 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 people ask me all the time, how do I help? And I say, you can't. No. They, Matt had to say, and, I, and I, I'm so proud of Matt. I mean, he's a rock oh, star to me. Tell me, we are so Every day he's a rock star. Yes. And, and, and he's he's uh, not, you know, he's capable of, of, of this is going to be with him forever like it is for me. And once you acknowledge that. But for Matt to actually ask Gary is the first step. Yes. And so I applaud him you yes. know, yeah, thank for you. that. Thank for you. That. And yeah. like you were so proud of him and uh, his success, it's coming up on a year. and uh, Awesome. And it, it, I'm sure, Jeff, I'm sure that during the last 365 days that the devil has tempted him a little bit. Oh, more than a little bit. But yep. uh, I think uh, becoming a, a member of AA because awesome. there's that support group, yeah, yep, and you find that you're not alone, and so I, I think we have to be willing as uh, parents, as spouses, we have to be willing to uh, put our feelings aside and really focus on that individual and think about what's really best for them. Yeah, um, and I I'm thankful also. Uh, I think the other part of this for me was. Uh, how how proud I am of our family mm -hmm. who came together to support him in his decision and that 30 days that he was there to be there every weekend to be there at the end when we had mm -hmm. that uh, and and you're aware of this oh, yeah. uh, that yep. that yep. family get together yep yep and I've been there yep. yeah and to be strong for him so so there's a lot to be thankful for there and so for me uh, my faith has been very important through this whole process of right. living life. And uh, I can share with you, Opal, that uh, every night you're in my prayers. Well, thank you. 
and your family and your I'll take your I'll take any <laughs> I'll take any free, free. or financial <laughs> I'll take any free prayers or financial contributions yeah, that's yeah. sorry yeah but, uh, premier uh, so so living undeterred for me uh, I think the eight or nine years that I was in this office before it became a studio were probably the best eight or nine years of my career so I have to thank you for giving me that opportunity. And then since uh, walking out the door, literally, and coming back occasionally, to know that there's still a place that I can come and be with my fellow uh, uh, advisors yeah. and the staff like Molly and Dee and Linda, it's, uh, it's been part of that transition for me. So right. I said earlier, I made a comment about how difficult it is for advisors to look beyond the financial part of retirement right. planning. Right, you have and, to. And I and I'm and I think that uh, Premier has done an excellent job of looking beyond just how much money is going to take me to live the lifestyle I want to live, to asking those important emotional questions, right. and to be aware of the family dynamics that can impact a person's retirement. Right. Uh, a kid moving home. Yep. A kid going through a divorce. Right. Uh, losing. I don't even I, I like mean, the word retirement anymore. It's yeah, just a, it's, it's an antiquated yeah. it's it's a it's a dead word to me. I don't like it. It just doesn't embody uh, you know, the next level shouldn't be the word tired in it, you know, yeah. retire. I just I don't like it. Um so I think kind of changing that narrative, but We'll you know, have to come up with a new word. Well, I had one client one time tell me uh, embarkment. Embarkment. Know, look at look as look at it as a transition. And okay. So, you know, and, and we can talk for another hour just on, on that stuff. But, um, you know, to kind of put a bow tie on this, I, I um, we're kind of getting close to the hour, which is just ridiculous because I feel Where like we could keep talking for another <laughs> two hours. But, you know, for everybody out there that is, uh, which is, or, or struggling with things, um, which is probably everybody. I don't think there's anybody ever made it through life unscathed. Mm -hmm. You know, we all have something. Nothing's worse or better than anyone else's uh, trauma. It's just unique to you. It's different to you. So that uniqueness also means that the solutions are unique to you as well. Mm -hmm. So I have a unique situation. My solutions are unique to Jeff Johnston. Well, you have a unique situation. Mm -hmm. Your solutions are unique to Gary Spiker. So anyone watching this right now that's that's thinking, I just, I wish I was as strong as Jeff and Gary. I Well, mm -hmm. you know, I don't like the word wish and hope either. I, I think there's other words we can more action-related words we can put in there. And some of the things, Gary, that have helped me, meditations help me tremendously. Okay. People ask me all the time, how do you get through every day? Well, I meditate every morning, 10 minutes. It's a guided meditation app I use. That's the most popular way right now for people to deal with anxiety and coping mechanisms is to initiate some type of meditation. And it's, 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 um, it's a non-religious or a non-secular you know, type uh, environment. So you, you don't have to be a believer in anything. Matter of fact, meditation is the opposite. You're just uh, witnessing your thoughts. You're not even judging them. So it allows you to really get your anxiety, get your your stresses that you put on yourself. You know, most stresses don't exist. You, you create the stress yourself. Mm -hmm. that, thus, you can also have it float out of your mind. So mm -hmm. meditation has been great for me. Uh, exercise has been good for me. Eating mm -hmm. healthy has been good for me. I'm at that mid-age where I think it's important I invest a lot of time into my, my mind and my body to, to make it to be your age. I mean, that's I'd love to make it. I'm 54, so 60 is my next 
goal. Let's well, get to 60. <laughs> yeah, and I made it to 73, uh, but Sue is 74. She tells me uh, uh, that I'll get to live a little longer uh, t- to be with her because she's older than I am. But, uh, <laughs> no, I think uh, the people that are watching this today should consider continuing to watch these undeterred broadcasts yeah. because you're bringing on guests with different perspectives that uh, uh, all offer hope. Right. And that word, along with the word alone, are really just mm. the exact opposites. So I like that. There are so many people that are alone. Yeah. They might be around lots of people, Jeff, but they're alone. Yeah. And your work that you're doing is offering hope to anyone that wants to take the time to invest in themselves. And I think that uh, you're to be congratulated for this work. You're to be encouraged in this work. And I hope that people will contribute financially to grow the work that you're doing through Choices Network and continue to watch uh, Undeterred. Uh, We often run around thinking that we're in a canoe by ourselves out there or a kayak, you know, fighting life against the stream and all these terrible things that have happened to us. We're not in a canoe. We're in a massive boat with millions and millions and millions mm-hmm. of humans on this planet that are all dealing with their own personal things. Mm-hmm. And um, so I hope by being able to have the Living Undeterred podcast, the blogs I write every week, uh, you know, I, I would encourage everybody to, and I'm trying to get this down, I'm not the best at this technology stuff, but to give us a five-star rating yes. on Spotify yes. and yeah. Apple Podcasts. There you Is that go. right, Molly? Okay. Yeah. <laughs> and to subscribe on my Living Undeterred website, you can subscribe. And so that would allow me to keep pursuing these ventures. But, well, Gary, I think you and I could continue this, and we will continue this. And you sure. become a, a more of a friend than anything else for me. And you've, you've talked me off the ledge on more than one occasion. Mm. Keep your phone on because I plan on having you talk me off the ledge uh, as, I, as I grow older and probably deal with more things that come up in my life that, I, that I'm preparing myself for. Well, I'll tell you what I'm looking forward to. I'm looking forward to taking the St. Croix Rock, <laughs> going over to the Mississippi River, dropping this pretty little jig with that plastic tail down. Looks tasty. And it looks good, doesn't it? Looks like if you were a walleye or sauger, you'd bite it. So I'm looking forward to getting back on open water. This ice stuff is... Uh, not as much fun when you're older than when you're younger. So, Well, Gary, I want to thank you again. Um, for those that would like to get more information, it's www.livingundeterred.com. And again, I encourage you to subscribe on that site. You can get the podcasts, uh, blogs. Uh, eventually, when we get speaking arrange- engagements yeah. set up, we'll have those listed. So with that, I, I thank you for your friendship. Thank you for being the guest today. And thank you for being vulnerable. Uh, and with that, i like to close every show. Uh, whatever you do today, make sure that you live Undeterred. Undeterred. Thanks, Gary. Thanks, Jeff. You bet.